My name is Brett Q. I don't play hockey, and I do not listen to Nickelback. But I still like Canadians, so I listen to the Big MX radio show. started big mx radio brought to you by meta is on the air fueled by passion focused on motocross fly racing bills pipes w wheels motul mx x brand goggles moto ice wrap and moto stuff make it possible to bring you the news the interviews and the point of views Inside the sport of motocross, the gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Meta. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got a motocross guru by the name of Paul Lindsay. Paul, welcome back to the show. It's your second time on it. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. You guys are uh, getting bigger and better, moving up in the world from what it looks like. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you thinking of me. I appreciate you coming on the show, making time for us. And uh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's a it's a volume game, trying to get as many podcasts as we can every single week, hovering on an average about two or three every single week, and uh, um, bigger and bigger and bigger guests all the time, which is a benefit to uh, the listeners. And uh, honestly, the, the because of the listeners always tuning in, we're able to uh, have a little bit more clout when it comes to asking for these interviews. So uh, as much as the listeners thank me for doing these, I have to thank them for uh for tuning in every week because uh without these guys then uh, uh i wouldn't have a show i'd just be listening to myself yeah, talking yeah. In the room. yeah that's how it works man and uh just keep building that momentum you're doing great from what i can see and uh geez who doesn't like bench racing about motocross so that's what it's all about i guess absolutely and that's what brings us here uh before we get into uh, a serious bench racing session how have you been, Paul? Um, I uh, we, we haven't been in contact a, a, a ton over the last few months, but uh, uh, I, as I know, still super passionate about motocross, following this uh, this these both uh, the Supercross and Outdoor Series extremely closely. And uh, because honestly, this this was your job to, to pay attention every little detail and and really pick these things out. Which uh, at times, for, I think for both of us, sometimes watching these races live isn't as fun as it would be if you didn't know so much about what's happening behind the scenes and like the intricacies it, uh, um, it, it, when it comes to watching motocross, sometimes ignorance, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, ironically not being at the races, uh, this past season, uh, has been kind of different, obviously after 20 some odd years of being out there in the trenches, but it, it's kind of fun because you get to watch it from a different perspective uh, and, and sometimes watching it on TV and watching, uh, you know, I watch the lap times and I'll pull it up on the computer, the lap timing and scoring. And, uh, sometimes you see stuff that you can't see in person and vice versa. When you're there, you can see stuff, uh, that you don't need to worry about the camera 
cutting to somebody that you want to see, you can just see it for yourself. And I, I had to have it when I was there a week of running back and forth, either pulling, well, back before I could pull it up on my phone, but I'd run over to the AMA tent, look on the screen, check out the lap times, run back, uh, you know, count them down and just, uh, you know, old habits die hard. I like to pay attention during the motos outdoors, especially. And, um, yeah, you know, to answer your previous question, I haven't been up to, to much lately this year. I've been, uh, I've been home longer. I've been off off an airplane for longer than I can remember, actually, in my life. And uh, it's been kind of nice to double-edged sword, not, not working at the moment, keeping low profile, dealing with some minor health issues, and uh, just spending time with the family and thinking about what to do next. Really haven't uh, planned anything out yet. I definitely need to do something pretty soon here. <laughs> my wife's getting sick of me. She's like, when's your next flight? You know, you need to get on an airplane. But no, it's uh, it's been fun sitting around watching the races and uh, enjoying it, just being a spectator for sure. Fair enough. Well, uh, uh, the uh, Regina National in Sask- Saskatchewan is coming up at the end of uh, at the end of June. Might have to uh, schedule a flight just to uh, come up and enjoy some uh, Canadian racing. Hey, man, I'd love to. When I was racing uh, myself, that was the one place I never got a chance to go was racing. In Canada, I raced all all over everywhere except there, Mexico, and obviously here all over this country and all over God's creation everywhere else. But I never got a chance to go to Canada. I had a couple uh, possibilities that fell through or scheduling conflicts. But, yeah, I'd love to go do that. And, you know, about the only thing I really have going semi-steady these days is is announcing and, and TV or radio stuff. I get uh, calls every once in a while. I've been pretty lucky, pretty blessed to still be, I guess, a little bit in that arena to – to uh, get to do some announcing here and there, and people haven't completely forgotten about me, I guess. But uh, I had a couple of big things fall through, a couple of TV deals that would have been really sweet that, that fell through. But uh, anyhow, yeah, I'd love to come up there. I know you guys put a good put good races on up there, beautiful tracks, and, and uh, from what I've seen, good TV package, too. <laughs> Those announcers mm-hmm. get into yeah. it up there. Well, so. that's the beauty of uh, uh, Brian Coster and uh, Mark Travers. Uh, the two of those guys could make a battle for 39th sound like uh, <laughs> a death match for the, uh, to the end of the world. But uh, I absolutely love it. And the, the best part is, is those guys have been doing it for like 15, 16 years. Yeah. So you can go on uh, Guaranteed MX on uh, YouTube and watch some races from uh, late 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> it's an absolute howl because uh, uh, they're the young guys just passionate about the sport and they just uh they get right into it it's pretty wild it shows it definitely shows their passion that's pretty neat and they're knowledgeable too and uh that's pretty cool that you guys have that absolutely so uh let's yeah. let's drive straight into this uh lucas oil pro ama promo across ama national series that uh dropped this last weekend in hangtown sacramento california uh we had um as expected and it's oft, often with motocross that we get uh uh, sometimes not, I wouldn't say boring, but, uh, like, uh, from, uh, as far as the lead race go- went, it was uh, a couple of guys who checked out and went one, one, um, who, uh, who, but my first question to you is coming into this series, who had the most momentum that they were drafting off of to really be successful this summer in the, both the two fifties and four fifties? Well, ironically, uh, in my opinion, this is kind of like a uh, obvious answer that any fan can answer or you could see. Uh, the, the two guys that won, obviously, uh, Joey Savacci and, and Ken Roxon were both on a roll in Supercross, as we saw, you know, in, near the end of the 450 series and in, uh, in Vegas with, with Joey. He's really been working hard, and he's a guy, you know, that Mitch Payton took a chance on 
uh, had flashes of variance with KTM and the Orange Brigade program, uh, and more power to him, man. He, he really embellishes that role of, you know, it, it's not a cockiness, it's a confidence. They've hired me to win. I'm putting in the work. I'm not scared to do the work. He's working, you know, with Ricky and uh, and Jeannie down the farm, and he's busting his butt, and it shows. And it, it showed in Vegas. It showed on the whole West Coast series, and then they're on hiatus, obviously, while the East Coast was going, and he went out there and did what he had to do. I mean, he wasn't exactly off the radar last season. Let's remember what he gets uh, third in points or fourth, I guess. I don't even remember, but I know he was up in the fight last year. So it's not like it's a complete surprise, but uh, he definitely – you know, the the two starts that he got kind of showed that he, he meant business and needed to do what he had to do, and he was ready to roll. And then Roxon, same thing. Uh, the passes that Roxon made, uh, you, you could just sort of tell in his voice, kind of like Blake Baggett used to do at the end of Supercross. Like, it's it's almost outdoor time. I get to put the throttle off. You know, that Roxon sort of had that same uh, vibe coming to Supercross. Like, all right, this one's over. I, I gave it my best shot, and... Uh, didn't win the championship, and now it's time to go outdoors. And every every pass he made in both models was like, excuse me, this is mine coming through. I'll, I'll take the lead now. Goodbye. Thanks. And uh, it was impressive. I mean, both of those guys had a lot of momentum, obviously. And, uh, you know, I think Tomac as well. He obviously didn't do what he did last year, which was maybe something we'll never see again, certainly never seen before, the, the dominance that he laid down in the first, you know, six or eight models of the year. But, uh he, he definitely, I think, was looking forward to the outdoors as well, and it sort of showed he didn't have quite the day I think he wanted, but uh, he's definitely heading the right direction and getting things figured out after, a, you know, a bike change, team change, and two, shoulder, two shoulders. He's uh, he's still got an uphill battle, but he's right where he needs to be, I think. So, yeah, those, those three in particular strike me as the guys that really had the most uh, momentum coming out of Supercross for sure. I couldn't agree more, and uh, I think uh, like, even for the fans as well as the riders, uh, I think guys kind of get caught up on the uh, hitting your marks and the the, the super cross triples and the, the 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 rhythm lanes and quadding through rhythm lanes and stuff like that, and, and uh, blitzing through sets of whoops. They almost kind of forget what it's like to uh, really open up the throttle and la- and launch a hundred and eighty foot uh, triple up a up a hill, or just absolutely get these uh, bikes uncorked on some of these uh, natural. Uh, uh, form jumps like you've seen uh, just at press day yesterday um, Ken Roxon throwing the bike all kinds of sideways really shows that he's feeling comfortable on that Suzuki and uh, honestly like that same like uh, sense of comfortable uh, that he's that he's kind of exuding with his riding style right now is not something that I saw at all in Supercross and uh, that's a problem for everybody because uh um i, I kind of uh, i i kind of sh- um compare uh ken roxon to a young chad reed when 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 he's really feeling the bike when everything is clicking and uh the confidence is at all-time high um he's just going to the front so sure, uh sure. deal with it yeah and especially outdoors i mean it's, it's critical in, in supercross or outdoors but y- you're absolutely right you have to trust the bike and and when you're at one with the bike i mean everybody you have those days where you just feel like you can put the bike wherever you want, but when it's when it's really evident that he's just not scared and and he hasn't knock on wood hasn't hit the hit the ground recently, uh, that you can take it that little extra one or two percent that makes a big difference, uh, pushing the envelope, pushing the front end and corners, pushing on the braking bumps, and just trusting that your bike is going to do what you know it's going to do, and that makes a huge difference. And then you do that for thirty plus two, and it adds up to a lot. 
So uh, I agree. I mean, Roxon, you know, Dungey didn't start out strong, I guess. He, I don't think he's ever won Hangtown. Uh, but he's definitely, it's going to be a good battle all year, yeah. So he, I, I don't think we can obviously write him off yet, quite yet. He is Ryan Dungey after all, but it's going to be an exciting summer with those two because you're right. Roxon is clearly on it right now, but Dungey is Dungey. So uh, it's going to be, like I said, the, the past two champs in a row, uh, last year and the year before, so it's on. They're both healthy. They're both going fast. And then, oh yeah, Eli Tomac as well. So, uh, and then at yeah. certain tracks, you're going to have other guys in there, uh, in there too. So it's going to be a great summer, I think, in that class. Oh, it, it, this class is absolutely incredible. Like the like, you really start to see like um, for the longest time there, we had uh, guys that would stay down in the 250 class, even as far back as 2005 or six or eight. Uh, guys would stay down and and uh, evade that that rule of the, if they weren't able to win a Supercross championship, they would be uh, able to continue racing 250s outdoors. And yep. uh, they've basically like over the last few years, they've really eliminated that. And what that's done is just jam-packed the 450 class full of talent, whether it be young and old, guys over the last 10 years, some guys that are still in it, some guys that are brand new, you guys like Jason Anderson and uh, Marvin Muskan. Um, like, I'm looking at my uh, my predictions on Moto Dynasty because I love playing uh, fantasy motocross. Right now, I have Justin Barsha in ninth place. And yeah, right and in front of him is Trey Kennard in eighth. Yeah. That, is, that, is, that is incredible. Like, Barsha- these guys, like... He he got second he at Glen Helen last year, if I remember right. And yeah. he he needs a good weekend, obviously, because that's where he kicked off things last year on his on his good run of podiums and stuff. And uh, yeah. but you're you're right. I mean, it's hard. Who you know? It's just like in Supercross, Anaheim won this year. The, the way I used to tell my friends is like somebody has to get ninth place. We can list off thirteen or fourteen guys yeah. that could win or could get on the podium or should get on the podium, let's say. But of those. 10, 12 guys, somebody's going to get ninth place. They're going to ride their ass off and get ninth place. And it has to be somebody. Yeah. They can't all Straight win. Up. They can't all fit on the podium. So who do you put there? You can't. And and some people might be in, insulted saying you got Justin Barcia in ninth place. Okay, well, who do you put there instead? I mean, somebody's got to do it. And it's just going to be a bad day for somebody, unfortunately. But that's how deep that class is. So absolutely, uh, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, like you think of especially like the Supercross was absolutely wild as far as the the, the amount of guys that back, factory backing. Uh, I did my, uh, my my prediction for for the like the entire mo- the entire twenty two uh, person field. I only had one guy on the on the line that didn't have almost full factory support yeah. from uh, from a manufacturer. And uh, that's that's completely foreign to to going back to the days in the '90s where there was two spots at Cowie, two spots at uh, yep. Honda, two yep. spots at, like. And then by the time you're at the eight or tenth place, then you had guys that are on support rides and stuff like that. That's right. But not that's anymore. Right. Tons of great rides out there. Tons of opportunities and just tons of talent. You're talking about uh, of, like your your goal, your uh, your horizon winner, Benny Bloss, outside the top uh, fifteen. Like the, there's. Going back ten years from now, uh, a Horizon Award basically guaranteed you some podiums. Yep, yep. And uh, like you said, I mean, that's it's just how deep that field is. It's it's crazy, and it's going to be, uh, you know. And then we're not even talking about luck or lack thereof, bad luck, flat tires, no, crash, yeah. uh, whatever. You know, sickness. If you get hurt, you jam a wrist. Whatever. People are dealing with injuries. Everybody's walking wounded these days. So there's so many factors that go into it, and uh, and then just raw speed and where you rank them. It's just. Uh, going to be a gnarly summer that's for sure and it makes it should make all of us just uh 
appreciate how talented these guys are that much more. So sure. now speaking specifically about uh Hangtown, uh who do you feel other than the the guys who win? Obviously those guys are most excited about their uh their results. One one is always a reason to party. But uh who other than the winners uh should be most excited about their uh their results, uh both two fifties and four fifties? Oh man, I got there there's a bunch of them that were kind of surprises to me and should be excited or at least encouraged, but the one that really stands out is my buddy uh, Alex Martin. I just had goosebumps watching him come through the pack uh, in that second Five moto. Minutes and, wins that moto. Ah, unbelievable. And gets right up on Savachi for the lead. I'm like, this is insane. Uh, you know, there's there's four very talented riders under that uh, Yamalube star racing tent, as always. They've always had a solid team. And no offense to Alex. I mean, that was a step up for him to get that ride, and he admittedly didn't have a great Supercross season. And it's not like we're talking about a mud race or a Southwick or even his home track at Millville. We're talking about a wide open rough Hanktown. He's just coming through the field, passing, oh, his brother, the defending champ, you know, Webb, guys like this, uh, just Nelson who was leading, uh, and then proceeds to get right up on the first motor winner. I'm like, this is insane. I mean, his bike was obviously uh, clicking for him. The track was clicking, and it was just giving me goosebumps. He's such a good guy, such a nice guy and, and people, even myself who I love him. He's one of my favorite riders and such a good person. I even underestimate him. So for him to go, you know, an eighth in the first moto was, was pretty solid in that field. Like we talked about four fifties, two fifties is the same. Even a crack top 20 in the two fifties is gnarly. And he was disappointed with the eighth, but saying, you know, it was kind of just decent. He was just there, but then that second moto, uh, you know, to go eight, two for, for second overall was just stellar. I mean, and, and props to him. That was, Amazing to watch. So, I, uh, the, you know, the other guy that I was actually happy for was Jesse Nelson. There was a lot of questions about sitting out Supercross. Is that an advantage or a disadvantage? You know, you could look at it both ways. He's fresh coming in, uh, but then he doesn't have the gate drops, and the world's passing him by as he's sitting at home for months, and his comp- you know, competitors are racing. But uh, I think I don't remember. Uh, let's see if I got it here. I think he was seventh overall, sixth overall. Uh, that's not too bad. I mean, he ran up front. He obviously led that second moto. I think he got a little nervous, but, uh, he's a guy, let's not forget too. You know, he's a, he's a SoCal guy and heading into Glen Helen. He got his, uh, got a, a GP win there, which I predicted, which wasn't that big of a stretch because the, you know, yeah. 10 guys and those guys were all three and, and, uh, uh, Paul, Justin and, uh, the other guys, the KTM kids were all pretty focused on the, the title, so I thought Jesse Nelson could sneak in there and do it, but man, he, he did a dominant 1-1 at that GP last year, and it, he seems to like Glenn Helen, and I don't remember what he got at the National there last year, but I expect, you know, I think he should be happy and satisfied with his results, I guess, is my point, and uh, yeah, yeah totally. so th- those two definitely stick out. Especially and, coming uh, off injury, because yeah. you know the fitness is uh, maybe not exactly where he would hope to, to be as far as... Uh, like I know he's had a lot of time on the bike, but uh, race pace is completely different. Totally, and, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you can, you can do as many practice laps as you want, but you don't know what your heart's going to do until that gate drops. Oh, it's yeah, exactly. People that don't, you know, get that, it's it's a big, big difference. That's for sure. So, um, you know what? I'm just looking here. I guess he did. He got a podium at Glen Helen last year, so that's actually. Uh, you know, right where he needs to be heading into his, his home race, if you will. And, you know, the other one that impressed me, which I think is that fast lap time in the second moto, was Zach Osborne coming through the field as well. I don't know what yeah. happened to him in the first moto. Two fifties yeah. and four fifties. 
Was he? Yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? That's right. I saw that, actually, now that you mention it, because I was thinking, damn, that was on a rougher track, but I keep forgetting they always flip-flop them. There was a while there where they went 450s first for TV and then the 250s, and we've seen it happen. Uh, You know, some of those tracks that get rougher and rougher, that the 250s, people don't believe it, but even back in the day, 125s and 250s, the smaller bikes have a little bit of an advantage. People think I'm crazy for saying that because of the horsepower and everything, but the rougher the track, the harder those guys can charge. Those 450s are hard to get stopped in some of the corners, and the braking bumps yeah. buck you around a little bit well, more. And the, why... the 250s, they just pin it through those braking bumps. So it, uh, it's not real Johnny surprising. O'Mara, Johnny O'Mara and uh, both Steve Lampson proving that you don't need a 500 two-stroke right. to uh, throw some lap times down because and... both those guys won. <laughs> right. uh, um, one, I believe it was in, was it in Spain? That uh, Lammy was Lamson in Spain, and uh, yeah, Omar was '86, McGorry, Italy, and those tracks yeah. weren't even necessarily that rough like some of these. But uh, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. It's uh, kind of amazing to watch the smaller bikes go fast on these rougher tracks. People just don't yeah. can't believe that they can turn a faster lap time than a Roxton or a Dungey. But hey, yeah, sometimes the rough tracks suit the little bikes, and uh, Osborne showed that he really put on a good show on that second moto. He was right there in the thick of things for sure. So I'd say other than the first motor disappointment, he should be pretty excited as well as man, Blake Baggett before, before he broke his collarbone, I'm sure he was real excited to come through and, you know, it gets passed by Tomac and all is right in the universe. Right. Well, whoops, maybe not. Totally. He repasses him. Well, Chupacabra shows up and uh, he's back and, and a third in that field for Blake Baggett was pretty damn impressive. And unfortunately goes out in the second motor and gets hurt. But that, you know, obviously, prior to that, I'd say that was a pretty uh, pretty exciting thing for him to get up there on that podium. I'm sure he was real satisfied. So, Absolutely. Completely yeah. off topic and just kind of off the top of my head, we were talking about little bikes, especially the 125s. Um, I find myself, uh, I, watch, I, I subscribe to the uh, MXGP throughout the year. I watch just about every race. But what, what, what I end oh, yeah. up watching more often than not is the, uh, the uh, EMX 125 and the uh, the 300 series is absolutely love that stuff. Do you think that there's any space in that uh, the TV broadcast for a uh, a 15 minute 125 only, almost like a uh, um, a support class sort of thing of like say these kids that come off of super minis, the the Jake Masterpools of the world, the uh, uh, the kids that are just getting on to uh, to big bikes, uh, ha- showcase their talent uh, at select rounds during the the outdoor nationals. Something that I would sh- surely like to see, especially because oh, yeah. uh, a it would be a little bit more content, and b uh, a little bit more premix is always a good thing. Well, and here's the thing: I agree with you. A little more premix is always a good thing, and I. I love the Tiddlers. I love the 125s. Um, it, it's so political with not everybody making them. That's a problem. Right, uh, right, right. Time in the show, time in the day, track prep, extra money for this, extra money for that, extra money for the guys to buy the bikes. Um, you know, I, I fully agree with you. Anybody, you know, that's the one major uh, collateral damage, if you will, in our sport that, that a lot of people don't realize is we're taking these kids off of 80s or 85s. I call, still call them 80s off of 85s yeah. and throwing them on a 250F in some cases. Not all of them can get on a 150, uh, you know, or that in-between bike. And it, that's a pretty yeah. gnarly jump. I mean, so well, thinking, to have that 125 class would be something yeah. special and a nice transition. And then, yeah, let's go ahead and showcase it. I think I agree with you. But unfortunately, but I don't know about the, the politics of it all. Yeah. The, the yeah. KJSC, like have, it, have a, a KTM... 
uh, mini challenge or KTM 125 shootout? Was everyone just rides KTMs? Yeah, I, I suppose you know they're a little bit race the, the, uh, the problem they, there is race the, uh, Cobras and other stuff throughout the, the the year, and then they have to jump on a KTM for the challenge. Yeah, that's true. I think the only the only drawback there is you know with the KTSC deal, they're so young that it's it's yeah. really rare unless you're a rider at Francisco, you're not on a, like a factory contract with Cobra or KTM so. or Cowie or anybody. Whereas some of these 125 guys, like you mentioned, or the, the schoolboy guys. They are. So I doubt Yamaha or anybody or whoever doesn't make, uh, I don't keep up with it these days, whoever's not making a 125, Suzuki, uh, Cowie, they're not going to let them jump on a KTM or a, or a Honda or a Yamaha 125. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think it's a, it was that's the political part that I mentioned, and it, it sucks because I agree yeah. with you. We used to have the world mini uh, race of champions uh, with Yamaha way back in the day, and then Kawasaki eventually where everybody got on identically prepared stock uh, Cowie 80s or Yamaha 80s. And, um, you know, I think a lot of those guys didn't ride that brand, but they did it anyhow. But, the, you know, the older they get, the more they're they're tied in with the manufacturers and, you know, touted to be Z-Next guy for, for Yamaha or Cowie or whoever, and you throw them on a, on a different brand, it's all hell's going to break loose. As much as I'd love to see it and agree with you, I, I think the political side of it is going to wreak havoc on any kind of plan like that. And then uh, you know, but I think it'd be fun. I think I, I'd love to watch it. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, like, like it's, it's a dr- dream that I might never see come to fruition, but, uh, um, I, hey, I we can dream. That's all right. Room. Yep, we would always absolutely. dream. Uh, we're going to throw it to commercials super quick here on the Big MX Radio podcast show. But when we come back, we're going to start talking a little bit more about uh, the, uh, the the race that's coming up this weekend in Glen Helen. And uh, so we'll be right back on the Big MX Radio podcast show brought to you by Bill's Pipes. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Button, former factory Supercross rider. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to take it to the commercial and we'll be right back. When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes or go with the same color all the way around. Either way. Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum, Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads, and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have Spokeskins on their website, they've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did. Head to Spokeskins.net today, place your order, and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. Deft Family Gloves. Deft means showing cleverness and skill in handling things. 
What you want to see in football and basketball is some deft handling of the ball. Some people are physically deft, like accomplished athletes, motorsports professionals, and martial arts masters. Their movements are fast, graceful, and deliberate. Others might be mentally or intellectually deaf. You could describe a beautifully written essay as deaf, or talk about a politician's deaf work on an anti-bullying bill. The source of deaf is the Old English gedeft, meaning mild or gentle, which became deaf in Middle English, along with its meaning of apt, skillful, and adept. Deft family represents a united family of athletes, artists, and creative individuals inspired by the underground lifestyle. Founded by a core crew of friends, influenced by music, arts, culture, sport, faith, and fashion. We provide the essentials of the modern day movement through a vision of free-flowing culture. Formed by motivation and necessity for change through passionate minds while remaining ahead of the mainstream, common, and popular beliefs. Hashtag Deaf Family is not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. We are deaf. All Deft Family product and merchandise is shipped directly from Temecula, California and handled with care. So head on over to deftfamily.com, explore the website, and find out all things deft, and become part of the deft family. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super tricky these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. In motocross, everyone wants one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today is arena cross. Tomorrow's Glen Helen. And Saturday, we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full-time practice technician is unrealistic. And even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. 
get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to motool.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital Sag Scale. Let's hear from Johnny K. Spear himself on how this thing works. So uh, really, basically, you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate, basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate, and then uh, pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip, and turn it on, and then just take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement. It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny K. Spear and Motul MX. Lighter than air and stronger than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatterax, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes and spokes that take a lickin' and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did, and head to dubyausa.com today. WUSA all things wheels. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. 
For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere, anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to Bill'sPipes.com today and never settle. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if, why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Kate Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off on the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast Show still here on the line with Paul Lindsay, uh, an absolute motocross mind. The guy's been around the sport for a uh, better part of, uh, safe to say, about 40 years there, Paul? 40 plus? Uh, not not quite forty, but well, I don't know. I guess I'm, I guess technically maybe it is forty. That makes me sound really old. I, I'm forty seven, yeah. but I started racing when I was seven. I don't know if I had quite the motocross mind at age seven, but technically by the letter of law, I suppose I've been doing it forty years. Uh, been we involved. Will tell that. Yeah, there you go. I've been you know involved in the industry, quote unquote, working uh, for probably eighteen twenty years, I guess, and been been real lucky and blessed to do that. So. Fair enough. Uh, what was your best battle with uh, Don Formo or Lawrence Ham? <laughs> I think you asked me this last time. I'm trying to remember. Uh, probably would have been that one race uh, that I did up in uh, Minot, North Dakota. Don't you know? <laughs> Fairground oh, yeah. race. Oh, yeah. It was awesome, man. It was a really bitching, you know, just a local fairground race, but one of the funnest arena cross, kind of in between arena cross, supercross track. I've ever raced, and uh, man, we battled. And, and speaking of 125s, it was it was on 125 and 250 back then. But uh, oh, just good, good times, good memories. You know. uh, so. I uh, I highly doubt that uh, the, ha- the 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 Hamburglar, as he's known, uh, or the Hamburger was was on a 125. That's a pretty big man for uh, for a, for a 125. But maybe you guys were battling in the. Uh, I'm the trying to remember. Guys. Maybe yeah. Maybe he only wrote 250s at that one, but. I think, uh, yeah, former, specialist Lauren. Hammer, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was definitely the opposite. I was a Tiddler specialist, not a 500 yeah. guy, that's for sure. But anyhow. so uh, let, let's let's talk uh, uh, Glenn Helen of um, f- from the results in Hangtown. Who needs a bounce back performance to uh, really uh, set set the like basically uh, get the etch sketch out? reset everything back to uh, some good momentum moving on towards Colorado? Well, you know, as always, I, I think there's actually a lot of guys uh, that, you know, it, it's, it's just one round. You can't throw up a panic flag, and you can't, you know, judge people on one round. That's the worst thing any spectator can do. I've, I've heard guys go, oh, I'll put a fork in Dungey, he's done, he's beat, or, or you know, what happened to uh, Jeremy Martin, defending champ, blah, blah, blah. You know, the worst thing you can do is judge judge these guys on one round. However, that being said, if you start getting two or three rounds in, you might start to wonder, and you definitely don't want to set a precedence. And I'll, I'll start right out with, and this is not me necessarily speaking. This is, I, I think, for his confidence and maybe the industry looking at him this way because what he did at uh, at Hangtown to me was pretty impressive, and that's rookie Austin Fortner. I mean, he did. Went out and did his job. He got a top ten. I think he was ninth overall. 
and that's pretty damn impressive for uh, you know a young kid rookie. However, if you start to fall into that pace of a ninth, tenth, twelfth place guy, you only get that first impression once. And I think that's why uh, a lot of those guys we've seen, we saw Tomac do it, we've seen Josh Grant do it, uh, we've seen uh, uh, Stroop, I think, did it at Glen Helen. When you get that whole shot and lead, the sky's the limit. You know, it's kind of a blessing and a curse, like like Bebo said to Damon Bradshaw or whatever, after he won his first race at 16 years old is like the only problem is now that everybody expects you to win every time. So I guess it, I'm kind of contradict myself, damned if you do, if damned if you don't, but I, I just don't want to see Forkner. I think Forkner is capable of winning races is what I'm getting at. And I don't want to see him settle into a 10th place pace after two or three rounds. So I, I'd like to see Forkner use that first time impression, right? Forget about Hangtown, go wholesale to moto and know that you can do it and that'll set the stage for the rest of his career potentially. So, you know, again, I'm not saying he needs it necessarily. A ninth place is pretty stellar, but it'd be nice to see him uh, jump up there and run run with the fast guys because I believe he's capable of it. Uh, other than that, like I said, there, there's a lot of guys. I think Marvin, who's kind of uh, one of my favorite riders and a buddy of mine, he, he didn't impress me at Hangtown. Uh, with sort of a mediocre ninth or tenth, whatever he got. Um, Barsha certainly needs to get things moving, I'd say. Uh, and Justin Hill, who to me was going to be a, a potential threat for the win at Hangtown and title threat. Um, I'd have to look, but I don't think he did much of anything at all. Uh, what is it, 17 fights? I got 21-13 for Justin Hill, and he got, I think, I want to say he got on the podium at Glen Helen last year, so he needs to turn things around real quick at Glen Helen. But then again, in fairness, like Jesse Nelson, he's been sitting out a while, comes in, is he fresh and rested, or is he rusty and needs some gate drops to get back up to speed? I guess that's uh, we'll never know, but I hope for his case, he's definitely somebody that should be up near the front. And uh, like I said, man, uh, Barsha for sure, after the Supercross season he had, he needs to he needs to turn things around real quick or he's going to define that same thing. Confidence can be a monster that works both directions. Just like what I was yeah. saying with Forkner, you know, it, it can, it can make you think you're a 10th place guy and, and really get you down on yourself and you just settle into that pace and it can make you think you're a winner when you, when you go lead or win a moto. So it definitely works both ways. And, uh, these first few rounds, a lot of guys are going to be finding their footing and it's, it's definitely important for some of them to, uh, to bounce back at Glen Helen, like you said. Yeah, exactly. So. Like uh, um, just to, to give a, a bit of a uh, roll back the clocks example, uh, both confidence and momentum. Basically, in my opinion, putting uh, um, a guy like Ezra Luss' career to a stop because uh, if if uh, if the if the Ezra from two thousand nineteen ninety seven ninety eight ninety nine uh, would have showed up on a Kawasaki in two thousand and two through uh, two thousand and four five when he was done, uh, hmm. we we could have been talking about a guy who had actually uh, like taken some wins and maybe even uh, stopped a couple of perfect seasons, but uh, because of because of that lack of confidence and. Uh, yep. Just about all dried up momentum. I, in fact, going the other way, uh, the guy decided to hang him up. Yeah, and Yogi is a guy that certainly had his share of Supercross wins, and uh, one of those guys, uh, not as many career wins, but a lot like a Wyndham, where you know he just his career came along at the wrong time and, and clashed with some of the greatest we've ever seen, you know, from McGrath yeah. to Carmichael, and and if not 
four of those careers colliding, we might be talking about, you know, winning 20 or 30 Supercross instead of just a handful like you have. So, exactly. uh, yeah, I agree. And like you said, it's uh, um, that momentum, the confidence, having the bikes up. There's so many things that go into making a uh, Ricky Carmichael or Jeremy McGrath or a Ryan Vilpo or Ryan Dungey. It's just, it's amazing the little things that people don't see when they wonder what's wrong with such and such or what's wrong with uh, Trey Kennard or why, why can't uh, uh, Eli Tomac do this or why can't Cooper Webb do that. There's just so many things, so many ingredients, you know, five or six key ingredients that you either have it or you don't. And, and it's a really rare special thing when a guy has all six of them firing on all cylinders that's when you get that dominant champion that it's just, they make it look easy. But if you're missing one or two of them, all hell can break loose and then your confidence goes and then the money goes, and the bikes go and the support goes. And it's a very uh, slippery slope that these guys stand on. So absolutely. Now uh, the, the Glen Helen uh, landscape is, uh, is very uh, almost like no other. It's uh, it's Hills. I've ridden there. The soil is, uh, Honestly, I, like, I can't, can't really say that there's, I have any, uh, um, like the soil brings out any, any, anything more tricky, but it does get super rough. These are long motos and, uh, I haven't checked the weather in, uh, in, in, in uh, San Bernardino, uh, yeah, me neither. for, uh, for this weekend, but, uh, looks like it's probably going to be warm. It's California after all, but, uh, who will struggle with California as we leave California heading off to, uh, your home state? Well, you know what? I think uh, you hit the nail right on the head with Glen Helen. It's a really unique track. You know, the hills, the elevation changes are pretty bitch and pretty unique. For, if you think of California, you'd think uh, flat, but it, there's some gnarly elevation changes there. <clears throat> but oh, to huge. me, yeah, and, and the, the soil's good. Manitoba like you is said, flat, man. Oh, yeah, it's kind of scary. Those, TV doesn't do it justice. If you ever get a chance to go check out Glen Helen, you'd be blown away. You've seen it, but, you know, to your listeners, uh, it, it's absolutely stunning in person how steep and how long some of those hills are like Mount St. Helens. But what, what sticks out to me most about Glen Helen is not just the roughness, but it's a high speed rough track, which is a big difference. Actually, uh, Hangtown, depending on the layout can get that way sometimes too. But I, I've, it's one of the few tracks that I've really felt uncomfortable on a motorcycle. I like rough, gnarly tracks, but I don't like going fourth, fifth gear pinned on gnarly rough tracks. It's really, an unsettling feeling to go fast on that track. And uh, it takes sort of a unique breed. And, you know, obviously guys like Josh Grant and Molesi have that place dialed in. And uh, as far as who might struggle to answer your question, I think a lot of the East Coast guys, I think, uh, you know, whether it be Cianciarillo, who, who is another guy that really needs to turn things around, and I hope for his sake he does. Um, Plessinger, you know, Smith, RJ Hampshire, those guys that are more used to the ruts and stuff like that, I think they might struggle. They, I think they've all raced Glen Helm before, so this is nothing new to them. But ironically, even guys that live there, like Celia, has never really shined there that I know of, but it's sort of a home track really for him. really guy, though, eh? Yeah, and, and it's like, you know, you either go good there or you don't. I think Marvin Wiskin, uh dominated there last year in the 250s, went 1-1. Uh, Jeremy Martin, who can forget his epic first national there. Jeez. Talk about just out of nowhere. I, I actually went back and looked before you called. I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to remember. Well, to me, what makes Jeremy Martin's run here in the outdoors so special is a lot of people forget. In fact, I had forgotten. He raced the last few rounds 
uh, for Star Yamaha in 2012 and, and got like an eighth and a couple tenths, I think, and just picked up a few points yeah. and earned or national 71 or 72, whatever he had. I don't even remember. 77. Um, yeah, 77. There you go. Then the next year, he raced the whole damn season and only had like three or four or five podiums and finished like sixth in the points, I think, six or seven yeah. in the points. And then, so it wasn't he like led he led his was, home national for almost every lap and then got yeah. beat by uh, Tomac. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it wasn't like he's like heir apparent and the next guy, you know, watch out for Jeremy Martin. And then he just shows up in 2000. Uh, or 14, I guess it was. Yeah, 14 and 15 at, at Glen Helen. It just says, see him. And I mean, just whack yeah. them. Like, gone. I mean, it and was I like that bike. That's he's gonna like, unbelievable. You can pencil, you can pencil the, the number one in for, uh, for a good start. I think those Yamahas will be up front and uh, could very well be uh, have another four guys in the top five again. That, that would be you know uh, what? something That's a good observation because not only do they make a lot of horsepower, I know firsthand, um, but they're also very stable. Uh, as a team manager, when when we had them, and and even as a rider, my last uh, few races now, this dating myself, I guess back oh <laughs> two oh three oh four, I guess. But uh, I've always thought the Yamaha small bikes were very very stable, and that makes a big difference yeah. on that high speed track. And it was clear, like you said, his bike setup. Jeremy Martin, or his brother Alex Martin, this past weekend, you could tell his bike setup was working. Uh, you know, conversely. Jeremy hinted after the first moto that they went the wrong way and he was excited to get a third but couldn't wait for the second moto to make some corrections and I think they went the wrong direction because the track changed so much and ended up drying out that I think he he made another bad choice because that was evident you know that I don't think that's the most we're going to see out of Jeremy Martin I think he'll still be the guy to beat uh you know but he's going to have Joey Savacci like I said that's basically home track for him as well he went fast there last year but uh, again, back to your original question, the guys that don't like that high-speed stuff, they're going to be eager to move on to uh, my track here at Lakewood and then eastbound, as, as they used to say, the series doesn't start till you get east coast, I guess. And, you know, specifically, I, I know Ricky and, and James and those guys wanted to just get as many points as they could on the two West Coast rounds and then head east and, and really, you know, yeah. get to work, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. It'll be uh, super interesting. Uh, honestly, if if I'm looking at my uh, my Moto Dynasty picks for the 250 class, um, Yamaha's uh, first through fourth uh, book ended with uh, Jeremy on uh, at one end and Aaron Plessinger at the end. I think the him being a little bit big on that bike is going to hurt him on the on the the hills, but still that that horsepower might even that out a little bit. I put him at the at the end of the uh, the lineup of Yamahas. Followed yep. by uh, uh, Nelson Osborne, who's put in a stupid amount of laps at that track lately. Yeah, and then um, and then you can start bringing in your, uh, your your Kawasaki's and stuff like that. But that would mean Joey Savacci goes from being first one weekend to seventh the, the next weekend, and basically evaporates that fifteen uh, point lead that he currently has uh, with the red plate. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you could very well see Jeremy Martin leaving, or even uh, Alex Martin leaving uh, California with the number one plate. Would be pretty amazing for the fact that those two guys also also despise California. Yep. Yep, and I, I actually respectfully disagree with you. I think Sabachi, I don't know that he wins, but I think he's going to be, I'd be really, really, really surprised if he wasn't on the podium. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win, but I don't think he's going to be that far off the podium. I think he'll be right in the thick of things. I, I agree with you. I see one of the Omaha guys 
when in Cooper Webb throws bumps, might or might not hurt his wrist, depending on how it's healing up. I mm-hmm. think it's amazing what he's doing and somewhat puzzling. In fact, I mean, uh, an avicular is nothing to mess around with. He must must be not quite as bad as we all think because Vegas has certainly looked bad, and then the the whispers of him not awesome. racing the outdoors and. And now all of a sudden, hey, you know, he's on the podium at uh, the first round. That's definitely nothing to sneeze at. However, Glenn Helen's a different monster with with a hurt wrist, but I think if he can get through that round. But, again, I agree. Aaron Plessinger might give up a little on horsepower, but his, his height and weight is going to be somewhat of an advantage rather than a disadvantage on some of those braking bumps and stuff, and he can really control the bike. I think I agree with you. Justin yeah. Nelson should be back up in the thick of things. Zach Osborne, I also agree with. Um, I think hopefully Justin Hill gets things turned around and gets back up there as well. But I don't see Savachi on on his home track uh, not being on the podium. So, and and it's a good observation you made and or a reminder to people that he didn't just win Hangtown. He's got now a massive point lead after one round. That's really unusual to to not only win the first round but win it by such a huge margin on points. It's not like he won it by a huge margin on the track by number of seconds, but to go 1-1 to an 8-2 and a 4-5, that just gave him a massive points lead. One round in, I don't see him giving that up, uh, in my opinion. But hey, you never know. This class is stacked. He could very well go 7-7, for all I know, and, and, and ride his ass off to do it. So I guess that's why we go race every week. And that class is that deep, that's for sure. So. I couldn't agree more. It's going to be yeah. interesting to see what happens come gate drop. Like you said, somebody's got to get seventh, and it's going to be somebody who uh, very well could come across a stripe in uh, in the first place position at some point during the season. Yeah. Uh, amazing to see uh, this early in the season with no uh, with very few injuries. Um, that uh, there's just there's so much talent out there, both two fifties and four fifties. We'll see who can get it done. Uh, last question I had for you before uh, we we throw some uh, a top three predictions for both four. And uh, 450s and 250s. Um, I know you, you've been team manager for a number of different teams back in the day, uh, with the, whether it be uh, the motorsport guys or uh, with uh, I believe Motor World, with yeah. Valley as well, correct? No, and, uh, uh, Motor so, World, yeah, Motor World, yeah, uh-huh. Motor Motor World. World. yeah, yep. And um, so, if you were to take two privateers racing both 450s and 250s, uh, who are you plucking out of the privateer ranks to uh, to put onto a uh, 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 a top flight team to, to go racing for the rest of the summer uh, for both uh, both in, in character and uh, just straight up race results. Wow. Um, this was one I didn't have a, a chance to put much thought into. And I guess my first question would be to you, uh, define private gear, which we both know is hard. Um, there's so much factory support, quote unquote. You know, factory support, are we talking, you know, plucking from like a, uh, a Rock River team or. Uh, um, I'm talking you know, uh, that someone that might be showing up this weekend out of a pickup truck. Okay, so full-on privateer. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's one that jumps out in the 450 class, and I don't know who he's riding for, so this could be a, a really uh, jerk thing for oh, me to say because he, yeah. he, he could be on a good team for all I know. I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of feeling like an idiot for not knowing this, but Frederick Morin is just such a stud and always runs – the pace and goes the distance and is a nice guy. And, and when he has gotten chances in the past, like with factory Honda, he's, he's, you know, he hasn't set the world on fire, but he definitely produced, you know, he was solid top 10 guy and even, even hovering top five at like red button, a couple of them, if I remember right. So 
So definitely, uh, I'd say Frederick Norton would be the first one. Um, Tommy Hahn, I know he's been getting some support, at least through Supercross. He's a guy that you could immediately plug in, uh, you know, at any point. And then, uh, well, shoot, we talked about him a little while ago. Noel McConaughey really, really impressed me. Uh, I, I love watching all the way back through the top 20, like I was telling you, just to see who is there out of a pickup truck or, or, or you know, these days a fun mover is the equivalent of a pickup truck, I guess. But uh, Noel McConaughey, you know, 16th in that first moto in that field, it's one thing, like we said, to get a start and run top 10 or top 20 or whatever for a few laps. But to go 30 plus two on any track, and it wasn't not like it's his home track or anything, that impressed the hell out of me. So, you know, there, there's a lot of nice guys and good guys that work real hard. That John Short guy out of Texas, um, I don't think he scored any points, but I think he, yeah. yeah, I think he scored. He was right around the top 20 both motors, if I remember right. So those would be a few in the in the two fifties. I got one that might surprise you, but um, Darren Durham, if he's healthy, and I don't, I think his deal was sort of a thrown together for Supergrass. I'm a huge Darren Durham fan. I wish he didn't have so much going on and so much distraction and so many injuries, but he he's a guy you plug in and, and at Mount Morris <laughs> for certain tracks, you go out there and win a motor or at least lead for a while. I love watching Durham ride and he's one that would be a, a valuable pickup. But as far as guys that are out there now, there's a you know a few of these Aussies coming over that are that have been I actually thought they'd do better than they're doing to be honest, but um I'm trying to remember uh well, Luke Redman, he isn't he isn't an Aussie, but him and Kyle Peters both performed well as far as privateers. Although Kyle Peters is on that that 360 uh, or 365 team out of Oklahoma, I apologize, I'm hacking the name up. Ride 360, Ride 365, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, and you know, just looking down the list in the 250 class, there's not a lot of full-on privateers. I know Dylan Epstein has has uh, had some flashes of brains. He's a, that guy's an enigma to me. I think he should be doing a lot better than he's doing, even without, you know, the proper support, which it's really, really hard to get a good, solid, you know, fast motor in the 250 class and compete against those guys. But he, it, it can be done, and he's somebody I thought would do a little bit better, so maybe maybe somebody like that. But, uh, again, you know, I, I actually expected Jackson Richardson, um and the other two, I'm trying to remember what that other guy's name was. I actually had him in my uh, – oh, Luke Clout, sorry, former uh, Australian yeah, uh, MX2 champ. I really thought he would do a lot better than he did, so it would be interesting to see if he can do a little bit better this next weekend. So, uh, yeah, those would be my picks, I guess. And it gets, it gets pretty thin down there. No offense to these guys, but it's hard to compete if you're not on some kind of support team. So it would be interesting to see what some of those guys could do with some good support. Totally. So let's let's oh. get a podium, and it'll hold you to these next time, oh, this time next week, or probably a little earlier uh, <laughs> when uh, when we, we get back together. I'm going to grill you on uh, both being right at, or being completely wrong on oh, these uh, predictions. Just kidding. But uh, let's get a podium for both 250s and 450s, starting with the little guys. Ay, ay, ay. This is also not something I prepared for, so I'm going to wing it. I usually do best when I, just, when I don't overthink it. Uh, um, I'm going to go with Jeremy Martin. I'm going to write these down myself okay. here. Uh, I'm going to go 
Savachi second, and Nelson third. Yep. Jesse Nelson third. The thirteen. Yeah, that's leaving out so many fast guys. That's the hard part. That leaves out Webb. Bold that move to pick that number. Alex by Martin. Bold, bold move. <laughs> like I said, I'm winging it, and I'm already regretting it. I'm looking, and I'm like, geez, how do you leave off Webb? How do you leave off Alex Barn? How do you leave off Lesnar? How do you leave off uh, Orkner? Hey, or someone's got to get fourth and fifth, man. That's right. Hampshire, all those guys have had good rides. I mean, Justin Hill. So, all right, now I'm sticking to it. Martin, Savachi, Nelson. And then the 450s, uh, oh, geez, same thing there. I'm going to sticking my foot in my mouth on this one, but... Um, Does Barsha or Grant? I don't know. I don't want to go that bold. <laughs> um, I don't think Grant has the uh, ankle stability to do uh, 35 right now. Yeah, and he, I you know, he so. did all right last uh, it, this past weekend. He went eight eight, which was pretty darn solid for you know for him. I know he wants better. Um, you know, by the way, as far as panicking or MIA, we were talking about earlier, poor Sal really needs to get on the stick. He didn't qualify good, and he didn't finish good uh, at Hangtown. But, um, all right, I'm going to go Dungy. Okay. Tomac, Roxon, and don't ask me why. I'm just winging it. Just, just, I, I have no idea why, but that's my that's my order. Shuffle and probably, on those guys. Probably theoretically backwards, it'd probably be Roxon, Tomac, Dungey, but I'm, I'm going to go Dungey, Tomac, Roxon. Perfect. Right on, man. Well, uh, I really appreciate you giving me uh, the time today. Uh, Got to uh, gotta get running to call up Benny Bloss right now, but uh, I, uh, we'll do this again next week as we break down uh, Glen Helen and look forward to uh, your home race in uh, uh, Thunder Valley in Colorado. Uh, really appreciate the time. You uh, you have yourself a great rest of your day, weekend. Enjoy watching the race, and uh, we'll chat as early as uh, possibly uh, either Sunday evening or earlier on Monday. You bet. Anytime, and uh, everybody listening in, keep supporting Brad and uh, Big MX podcast and radio and the website, and everybody enjoy the race this weekend, and all the riders listening in. Hopefully they have a great uh, day, Glen Helen, and a safe, uh, safe race Saturday. Awesome, man. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, cut it off right there. All right. Sounds good, Brad. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content. Closing up and counting loony.
he's trying not to say I hate Winnipeg The driver checks the mirror seven minutes late The crowded rider's restlessness enunciates Guess who sucked? The Jets were lousy anyway. The same route every day. And in the turning lane, someone stalled a game. He's talking to himself. And here's the price of gas, repeat his phrase. I hate Winnipeg. Winnipeg.